Man, so I just did a thing. I just did a naughty, naughty thing. Just finished eating some bacon. I should not have done that. I'm so hungry right now. And somebody's making some twice-baked potatoes for dinner tonight. And I am hugely looking forward to that, for sure. Mm-mm-mm. I may or may not have snuck a piece of bacon. Anyway, so, tonight, we'll explain to you why you should be offended by chainsaws. Yeah, chainsaws. Uh, I'm going to talk about my boyfriend's wedding dress. I'm um, talk about living wage calculator. Tennessee carry permit law and three symptoms of being an atheist and of course the Tennessee tornadoes so stay tuned for all that tonight on the Unframe of Mind show you're listening to the Unframe of Mind show the place to have the most mind-stretching unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life your hosts battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth reason and evidence over safe room walls And here we go. Here we go. Let's uh let's jump right into this. We've got a number of things going on tonight. So first and foremost, um, check this out. We uh we uh well we being me and Anthony figured out that he overslept about ten minutes ago. Um, he has been incredibly busy, like incredibly busy. Um, between working long shifts at work and then trying to go and help out with uh. Everything with the tornado, uh, Tennessee tornadoes that were going on lately, and and trying to help out friends and family. This is this is his hometown, so you know he's he's hugely invested in in going down there and helping in whatever way he can. Um, so at any rate, he ended up not waking up and in time for the show, and that's that's all right. So we he he needs his rest. So it's all good. Uh, <laughs> I Anthony in the chats there. He says sorry. That's perfectly okay. Perfectly understandable, to be to be honest. And I'm sure people understood, you know, last week when we couldn't do the show because of you know the chaos. There's just stuff going on. There's too much. There's too much. Um, so we've got I've got I've got a little bit of updates on that. A little bit of uh, a couple stories from that uh, when me and the family went down there to help out, and uh, and a number of other stories. But first, I'd like to do our favorite segment of the show, the Phobismist. 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 All right, and today on the Phobismist, I'm going to explain to you why chainsaws are hugely offensive. Okay, so as a result of me going down, I didn't, I didn't realize this at first, but as it turns out, you know, I, I went down there to help with the uh, the cleanup effort this uh, last Saturday with the family, and I was out there with a a a manual axe, just an axe, chopping up wood. Um, Anthony's got a chainsaw and I'm sitting there going, man, this, this is, this is incredibly offensive. I mean, you see how offensive, like all this new technology is, how, how scary it is that new technology is going to take people's jobs. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, we could, we could have a lot more people with jobs if we got rid of the chainsaws and just gave everybody axes. Now, see, the thing about this is. I was damn near keeping up with Anthony, you know, because, you know, he had to stop to, to lube up the saw and tighten up the blade and fill up the gas. And meanwhile, good old fashioned manpower. I'm just over here whacking away at them trees. Thank goodness for my neighbor. And it's <laughs> actually let me borrow that thing had a blade on it that made it seem like those tree branches were fucking butter. It was ridiculous. But I digress point is these things are offensive they cause lots of in- injuries lots of troubles i mean look look at these stats here national statistics on chainsaws 40,000 plus injuries by chainsaws in the US alone annually all right average chainsaw injury requires 110 stitches that's a lot of extra labor for the for those poor slaves that work for our healthcare industry good god not to mention i'm i'm pretty sure there's a number of deaths included here but i don't see those particular stats um it's 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 ridiculous. It's causing people to die. We should ban them. We should get rid of them. I think we just go back with just regular axes and just go on about our business. And that's why you should be offended by chainsaws. All right. Anyway, back to the normal schedule, regularly scheduled program tonight. So, 
uh, let me see, where do I want to start? I've got a number of stories I want to hit, a number of different topics I want to hit. Um, I guess while, while we're on the, uh, the Tennessee cleanup type stuff, uh, let me, let me, I'll, I just want to tell you guys about what happened with that. Um, we, um, Anthony's, Anthony's been out there like a lot and I'm, I'm like, dude, I, I don't know how you do it. It's ridiculous. He said, he sat there and, uh, um, took work off apparently he's been out there for you know 30 hours at a time like dudes out dudes out there like a boss man he's out there just telling people where to go what to do how to do this and how to do that you know coaching people counseling people making sure people know you know what to do how to do it you know uh comforting the families like there's just nothing that, that i'm like I, I had to tell anthony i'm like dude you gotta take a break you gotta breathe man like you don't have to be a hero we, we've got a whole bunch of people out here that can help and and i like that's that's part of the reason i love that guy so much just holy crap that dude has the biggest heart like i'm pretty sure the case that he comes in isn't big enough for the heart that he has it's ridiculous um so i see a comment from rebecca loved meeting you out there yes ma'am absolutely it, it was kind of cool um and uh, i met her um kind of kind of accidentally uh, she's she's like neck deep in a pool trying to fish around for somebody's keys got got her big old boots on and everything and uh i come up and i say something and and, and she's like hey i I recognize you. <laughs> I recognize you from your voice. I'm like, wow, I've never been recognized by my voice before. Like, that was kind of cool. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but I thought that was pretty neat. But yeah, it was, it was great meeting you and your sister and, and, uh, just out there just, man, that I, there was, there was so much to do and it blew my mind. Um, the time we got there to the time that we left, the amount of work that was done was ridiculous. Like, holy crap. I, I was, I was just floored at the amount of, of energy that people put into it, the amount of help that they were able to offer, uh, the, 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 the giant equipment that was going around pushing, you know, big piles together and people that were carrying things <laughs> like, like, I, I don't, I don't even know people passing out food. There was a medical tent down the way that I saw on my way out. Uh, like this is, this is, um, like it, it, it really touches my heart to see how, how much people are out there willing to help and how quickly they're able to do it. Um, I believe uh, President Trump came out Friday and even commented on how impressed he was at how quickly the, the the cleanup effort was going. It was it was pretty badass. I was I was um, it was neat. We we um, brought the kids. Me and my, me and the family brought the kids. We went out. And we were going to go help with a, a volunteer effort with the Lee Company, but um, we found out when we got there that the kids were actually too too young. Um, they had to be 18 or older, which I had two 13-year-olds, a uh, 16-year-old, and a 15-year-old, you know, which, and they're harder workers than most people I know, so I, I wasn't worried about them, but they were worried about legalities, and I understand all that. So, fortunately... I mean, I guess, I guess I don't want to say fortunately, that's a poor choice of words, but Anthony did have some friends that were affected by this. Um, and he was able to get us into the neighborhood, uh, with no problems. Um, and we just went out there and we just started going at it. The kids were just, they were real good about helping, uh, very minimal complaining. You know, um, I just had to keep pointing out to them, Hey, no matter how uncomfortable you are, um, just like you guys got to imagine how uncomfortable these families are right now they've been they've been, they've lost everything they're sitting there and and just completely dumbfounded lost don't know what to do where to go who to talk to and so no matter how how uncomfortable you kids might be at the moment you might be a little hungry you might be a little thirsty you might be a little inconvenienced cuz you couldn't play your video game today but you know just keep that in perspective and I, and and I you know just once i put it like that i i think i got a good way of putting things like that for them um very very minimal griping about what we were doing how long it was going to be I, I don't think i heard anything until probably about one o'clock in the afternoon when they started saying how long are we going to be here <laughs> it's like that's fine that's fine they did a great job and and I'm, I'm sure it was really appreciated um so uh yeah so i have a i have an announcement as well for that let me uh find my thingy here um anthony did let me know we were going to make an announcement on the show tonight unfortunately he overslept so now i'm going to make the announcement um so basically for let's see for kirby and sarah the friends of his that were affected um that was that was the first house that we went to that uh, we started cleaning up around first of all it was impressive that the tornado took this house and picked it up and just dropped it 17 or so feet back off its foundation it just said no nah, i don't like this spot we're just gonna nudge you over here a little bit and there it lay um it was it was devastating man but anyway for for kirby and sarah on march 30th at hopsmith tavern um 
Jimmy Charles is hosting a benefit concert for uh, Kirby and Sarah. Um, apparently, all food, drinks, tips made throughout the entire day will go directly to Sarah and Kirby from open to close. Uh, guests' appearances to be announced soon. So that's really cool that they're doing that. Um, and I'm sure we will see a number of these different uh, efforts going on, a number of different benefits. Uh, I know uh, 99.7 WTN had a big radiothon where they raised uh, ungodly amounts of money for people. Um, it, it's, 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 it's inspiring. It really is. And I, I really hope to get back out there and do some more as time progresses. Um, and I'm, I'm going to bring the kids along and, and we're just going to keep helping whenever we can, however we can. Um, I know we don't have the amount of uh, uh, time that Anthony has. I wish we did, but, you know, it's uh, just different situations. That's, you know, totally understandable. But we will help as much as we can. So, there's that. There's that. And if uh, anybody wants to come on sometime and tell their stories, that would be great. We'd love to have you on. Um, oh, that's the other story I wanted to tell. I almost forgot. Uh, so, one of the gentlemen we went to go help, uh, uh, family rather, uh, his name was Jeremy. I didn't catch his last name, but... We, we went over to, to, to the place, and there was nobody there at the time. I guess uh, Anthony had gone over and, with the help of some other people, saved a cat that was hiding out inside the house. Um, so they, they got that taken care of, and then all the rest of us walked over there, and we started helping out. And eventually, Jeremy came home, and he was telling us the story about how, like, what was going on when it happened. He was apparently in the U.K., uh, for for his job, I guess, and he was in the UK speaking with his uh, his wife and his children on f- FaceTime, and while this is going on, they're kind of freaking out. They're they're scared. They don't know what to do. And then as the tornadoes are coming through, the feed cuts, like for five minutes or ten minutes or who knows how long it was. Feed completely cuts. And, and he's lost. He, he don't know what is going on. He don't know if he's ever going to hear from his family. I'm just putting my myself in his shoes in that moment and thinking, oh, crap. Like, there's, like, I have no idea if I'm ever going to hear from my family again at this point. That is terrifying. That, that, that sinking feeling you get when you're just like, uh, um, sh- shit? <laughs> like, I, what would you say? What would you do? Who would you call? Like, how would you, how would you deal with that moment? It was incredible. Like, like terrifyingly scary and and um you could see even as he was telling the story and as he's trying to figure out what to go on he was still kind of like in this in this cloud of almost trying to get his wrap his head around like it wasn't real yet like it wasn't real yet like so it's it's like that that's I do not envy them uh any any at all that that whole entire situation and it's it's um I really hope everything works out well for the family. I guess they are already moving on to some other location. Um, they're working on getting a storage unit or what have you. Um, like, like I, I just, I kept playing that over and over in my mind uh, the next day. Just, and every time I told somebody, it just like re- reliving it. I, I have a really over overactive imagination, so I'm like, I'm just, I'm just sitting there like playing it over. Like, what would I do? How would I feel? What would I do? How would I feel? What would I do? How would I feel? It's like that's in that's that's. I, I feel terrible. That's that's not a great way to experience that at all. I mean, obviously, if you were there with your wife and children, it'd be probably equally scary for other reasons. But it's just that that not knowing that not knowing is almost almost worse than than being in the middle of the situation itself. I don't know. All right. So uh, that story aside, I'm, I'm sure we'll hear more stories coming out of that as we go on. Um, I wanted to get into the uh, th- this uh, story I've been hanging on to for the last couple weeks. It's um, <laughs> I heard I heard about it a while ago, and I, and uh, we didn't do a show last week because of it, and and uh, yeah. So let me bring this up here. Oh, let's see. So this story comes from the Guardian. My boyfriend's wedding dress unveiled my own shortcomings over masculinity. This is from the Life and Style section. I, for those of you in the podcast audience, um, I, it's it's probably worth bringing up the the video to this so you can see, or at least bring up the article so you can see this this real masculine looking fella here on a snow covered mountaintop in a beautiful wedding dress. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. I don't need man. It's fantastic. So, hang on, let me. Uh... So, the article starts out. No, the photo set. What is it? Hold on, let me start here. Uh, the photo. Uh, words, Daniel. Words. Um, 
the author says, I'm, I'm quick to blame men for their toxic behavior, but in this case, I, the woman, was part of the problem. Right off the bat, as I'm reading this, I'm already noticing some very, um, for lack of a better phrase, problematic language here. This is somebody that's clearly um, already has her mindset about uh, masculinity roles and the toxic masculinity behavior. I don't know. Let's let's continue. Um, my gaze scanned the colorful racks of clothing and stopped abruptly on something I'd never expected to see. My boyfriend was clutching a wedding dress that he wanted to buy for himself. Emily, he cried with victorious glee. I found the one. Ian thrust the white garment into the air like a NASCAR trophy. Its lace sleeves sashayed from the tappered bodice and fluffy tulle grays the dirty tiles of the thrift store floor. They're buying wedding dresses at a thrift store. That's great. Okay. Other than the uh, flowery language of this article, I'm... Uh, I, really, I, I guess I like where this is going. Let's, let's, let's continue. I think you're going to like where this goes, too. She says, oh, how I managed to spit out. Uh, we were at uh, Goodwill searching for dresses to wear during the annual Mother's Day climb up Mount St. Helens. A decades-long... Oh, I'm sorry. I guess they weren't getting married. My bad. Uh, a decades-long tradition in which everyone scaling the volcano that day sports flowing garments in honor of female mountaineers and mothers everywhere. Okay. This is making a little more sense. Not a whole lot more, but more sense. Maybe her perspective of it gets better. Let's see. I knew Ian would be among the most outrageous on the mountain. My boyfriend is aggressively fun and flair, a, a fun and a flair fanatic, which I find wildly attractive on most occasions. Like when he's scaling technical slopes in jorts and cat shirt and or, or, or skiing the steep uh, steepest lines in the Pacific Northwest in space tights. But I found myself unexpectedly easy with his new fondness for feminine frocks. Oh, look at that alliteration. Aren't you a wonderful writer? A reaction that challenged the progressive ideals I'd prided myself on for decades. I'd long thought I was contributing to a progressive shift in how we define masculinity, finally allowing men to be emotional and vulnerable or ask for help or to hug their male friends or to wear dresses. Now, hold on a minute. She, she's, well, let me say that again. I thought I was contributing to a progressive shift in how we define masculinity, finally allowing men to be emotional... Wait a minute. Men weren't allowed to be emotional before and vulnerable? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not true. Or ask for help. Oh, men are, they don't ask for help? I'm pretty sure the smart ones do. <laughs> like, you, you might be talking about pride, not toxic masculinity. Uh, or, hung, or hug their male friends. Dude, I've been hugging my male friends since I was like six. Like, that's not even a problem. That's not been a problem for decades. What is, I don't know what kind of like, like, left-wing progressive college town she lives in but holy crap ian giggled isn't it beautiful his chest hair <laughs> batted the sheer neckline now i can see that he's being kind of silly I, I i can see this i think i would probably be apt to do some shit like this myself so i don't find it strange that he was wearing the wedding dress i find it strange her reaction to it uh, she says, uh, this was not the first time I'd found myself a little uncomfortable with the sight of Ian in women's wear. It's not an unusual sight to spot him sporting a skirt, dress, or sarong at a party, picnic, or trailhead. He uses his unconventional apparel as a display of his individuality and a reflection of his fondness for fun. I adore both of those qualities, but I was realizing I was less fond of seeing them exhibited through floral numbers or tight sequin garments or wedding dresses. While it was attraction at first sight with Ian, his, clo his closet full of feminine gear put a tiny dent in his desirability from the very beginning of our relationship. No kidding. No kidding. A woman that wants a man, but isn't she's kind of afraid to admit it? Huh. Never heard of that trope before. Hmm. Not, uh, not enough to stop me from acting on my huge crush, but enough to notice there was an unexpected discomfort. What I thought I was okay with. A man wearing and what I actually found appealing on his body. It's interesting, though, when your ideals and reality kind of clash together, that that moment when you're like, I have this idea about how the world should be. And then I have this experience of how the world actually is. And now they're clashing and I'm going to have to choose one or the other, you know. I tend to choose the one that is reality, but some people do tend to kind of swing towards sticking with their ideology and just ignoring those facts. But let's let's see how this uh, story progressive. Uh, that would. Um okay. Well, I lost my way. Okay. On the first weekend we hooked up, I had 
to yank a green sparkly dress over his head to unclothe him. Foreplay involved palming his glittery glutes while dancing to Keisha's woman and caressing his furry thigh along a hemline so tight you could almost see the outlines of each and every hair follicle beneath it. God, that sounds hot. I want me some of that. <laughs> that was the first time I've undressed a man from a dress. I shrieked the next morning. My palms slapped the concrete countertop as I regaled my housemate Eli with stories from the night before. Oh, girl, what an exciting milestone. Congratulations. Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, dude, what are you doing? Okay, Eli, an effervescent gay man who dons many dresses himself, is, a su is and is supportive of any man excited to do the same. Intellectually, I enjoyed that Ian was rejecting gender norms and expectations, but physically, my desire didn't match. Imagine that your 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 ovaries didn't exactly agree with your brain. I I could have never seen this coming. That's amazing. Those feelings illuminated some unanticipated boundaries of where I define attractiveness in men, and when I can still crave traditional masculinity. I realized I wanted uh, less dress and more flannel shirts, t trucker hats, and sandstone car hearts. There you go, girl. There you go. That, now we're talking about a real man, right? Anyway, when we left the store that day, Ian had a big bundle of wedding dresses, and I had some big questions to consider. <laughs> I bet you did. I bet you did. So I'm going to let y'all look that up and just see how that continues to go. Um, that's kind of the basic trend just of it there that's a i don't know man i don't know it's kind of it's kind of like um interesting to see the kind of thoughts people that <laughs> goes through people's heads when they're trying to struggle with these things it's uh i don't know man let's continue to the next story shall we all right what time we've got 721 not bad not bad all right so i found this um what is it a living living wage calculator is what it's called Where'd it go? The Living Wage Calculator. It's livingwage.mit.edu. Um, so according to MIT, the Living Wage Calculator is this. Uh, families and individuals working in low-wage jobs make insufficient income to meet minimum standards given the local costs of living. We developed a Living Wage Calculator to estimate the cost of living in your community or re region based on typical expenses. The tool helps individuals, communities, and employers determine a local wage, uh, wage rate that allows residents to meet minimum standards of living. All right, so let's see here. I typed in Nashville. I was really curious to see what kind of stats would come up according to their calculator. So the living wage shown is the hourly rate that an individual in a household must earn to support his or herself and their family. Now, first of all, th this living wage idea is a complete farce anyway, or not a, not a farce. It's it's kind of a, a, a arbitrary made-up number that doesn't actually mean anything at all, to be honest. Um, yes, there's probably a, you know, based on current living standards and based on the current real estate prices and how much it costs for groceries and, and toiletries and, and uh, utilities and all that crap. Yeah, there's probably a certain minimum amount that you need to be able to make as a family, but the idea that all employers should pay that wage as a minimum entry level wage rate that that just does that defies logic. It doesn't make any sense. It it's like an arbitrary number. Um, for those of you who've seen the show for a while and, and kind of know where I stand on this, I'm a big fan of eliminating minimum wage altogether get rid of it entirely we don't need it it's not it's 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 actually hurting people who are only able to provide as much value up to that point like, like anybody that like say the minimum wage is 7.25 an hour anybody who can only offer 7.24 an hour of value and less well they're effectively unemployed unless they're counting on the charity of the employer or charity of uh, your local and and, and uh, federal government agencies. Which has been uh, one way they've actually kind of helped subsidize this to make it not be so obvious, the effects of this. Anyway, so the living wage... Living wage shown is the hourly rate that an individual in a household must earn to support his or herself and, the, and their family. The assumption is the sole provider is working full-time... That's 280 or 2,080 hours per year. The tool provides information on individuals' households with one or two working adults and zero to three children. 
well, I've got four, so I'm automatically outside of your bounds here. Um, after you have three children, should employers be automatically required to pay a, a greater living wage? Or is that only for people who are like starting out at McDonald's and can't support themselves? I'm not really sure how this is supposed to work. Anyway, let's get into the details, shall we? So let's say oh, two adults, one working um, with three children, which is about as close as I'm going to get. It says the living wage should be $29.30 an hour. All right, so I'm already working under living wage uh, as far as an hourly rate is concerned. doesn't matter what it is, but that's where I'm at. Poverty rate is $14.50 and minimum wage is $7.25. So I'm, I'm definitely not in poverty wage, but I'm somewhere in between poverty and what their suggested living wage is. Um, interestingly enough, if you have three children at two adults both working, you can make seventeen seventy six an hour to make minimum or sorry living wage whatever that means. So, okay, typical expenses. These figures show the individual expenses that went into living wage estimate. Their values vary by family size, composition, or current location. I just I don't know. I find it interesting that they can put a number on these things as if uh, different families don't have these different struggles and different issues they got to come into. Different expenses, uh, slightly different areas of town that are vastly varying in different uh, uh, costs of living. Like, okay, I'm just going to go with the two adults, one working, because that's my current situation. At three children, food is... Uh, they didn't say, is this per year? $10,802 per year, I guess? I don't know if that sounds right or not. Twelve. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I guess that's about right. That's probably about right. I probably spend less... I spend less than that, I would say. I'm not really sure. I'm not going to get a calculator for that. Anyway, child care, zero, since there's both adults working. All right, medical, which I, I assume if, if we're doing Medicare for all, this should be zero, right? Housing at 17000 I do not pay anywhere near 17000 See, this is what I'm talking about. They say living wage. I should need 17000 a minimum per year to make a living here. That's not true. I've gone... I live in roughly 45 minutes away from my job, and at 45 minutes away from my job, I'm able to get a house for $500 a month, or $535 a month is how much I pay. Of course, I tell the people at work, and they're blown, blown away, like, how are you affording that much? I've got a four-bedroom house on a one-acre lot, 45 minutes from my job, that I'm paying $535 a month for. Like, that's not bad. It's called uh, just living below your means, moving to where you can afford, um, making the money you need to make, and, you know, come on. This is not difficult. I don't understand this. I just don't understand this. Transportation at 12000 We got other at 6000 I don't know what co constitutes other. Required annual income after taxes, uh, 53477 That doesn't make any sense. Annual taxes. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, if you want to check out what your suggested living wage is for your area, just go to livingwage.mit.edu. Now, I did notice that this one says metros. Oh, sorry. Scratch that. Living wage calculation for Nashville, Davidson, Murfreesboro, Franklin, Tennessee. Now, Franklin is a very expensive area of town. Um, I used to do a lot of work out there, construction work, and it's like a lots of nice houses. That's where a lot of your big-time country stars and stuff, they want to go move out in the Franklin area, Williamson County, that kind of area. That's, that's some expensive real estate over there. I would love to be able to afford to live over there, but I can't. You know, I just can't. I, I, I live where I can. <laughs> just be reasonable. It's not that difficult. Mm -mm -mm -mm. For further detail, please reference the technical documentation here. And now for the next 45 minutes, I'm going to read the technical documentation to... I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put you guys through that. So we're going to go back on... Go to the next topic. Mm. All right. There's another topic. I, I had this one from last week prepared too. It's a Tennessee carry permit law. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I think the tea came out on point today. Holy crap. I'm going to check the chats here. All right. 
Okay, Ryan from Facebook says you also bought your house during the recession, so your mortgage is lower than someone buying a house now. Actually, no, that's not true. I moved during the recession because I couldn't afford where I was living and I got a better job. And I actually bought this house about five years ago. And that's uh, not really during the recession. It's part of the recovery. However, I did go through a manual underwriter. I don't deal with credit scores. I don't deal with none of that crap. This is the, the, the joke that everybody thinks they have to have this great, perfect credit in order to make a living is completely full of shit, quite frankly. I don't know. I don't even know what my credit score is. Um, I don't mess with it. I buy things that I can afford. I get houses where I can afford them. I, st I live below my means, and if I need extra money, I'm working overtime. You know, that's just... It's just how you should do it. I just I don't know. I don't know. Live, live like your like your grandma taught you. Is that isn't that what Dave Ramsey used to say? It's been a while since I've seen his show. Anyway, so this uh this article from uh, MSN.com uh, just came out yesterday from the Tennessean. Uh, TBI director says current uh, current gun permit system working has concerns about permitless carry. Now I'm trying to keep up with this. This this apparently a new. A proposal from Governor Bill Lee to allow residents to carry weapons without first obtaining a permit. And the director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is worried that it will create public safety concerns. All right. So in an interview with the Tennessean on Tuesday, TBI director David Roche said he was concerned about Billy's or Lee's bill. Bill Lee's bill. Yes, Bill Lee's bill, which seeks to allow for both open and concealed carrying of handguns for Tennesseans who are 21 and older. Okay, and, and I assume without a permit. I'm going to have to click that one there in a minute because I'm not familiar with what the proposal is. I've, I've heard about it in kind of passing in my Facebook feed. That's about it, and I'm trying to get caught up on this because it seems, seems like it's a move in the right direction, I think, but I'm just not sure exactly what the proposal is. Uh, quote, uh, we understand that the mindset is... And I uh, sorry, quote, we understand what the mindset is and what they're attempting to do. And we appreciate that. Uh, we are Second Amendment proponents as well, but we're cautious when it comes to public safety. OK, now, first of all, if you're saying I'm a Second Amendment proponent and then you say, but well, we can basically anytime you see the word, but you can just basically forget anything that person said before that, Be because, you know, if you're saying we're cautious when it comes to public safety and you're saying that uh, any, any law that is is uh, basically any law that restricts uh, gun ownership is a violation of the Second Amendment straight up uh, I'm this this goes for anything I quite frankly have uh, anywhere from tanks bombs grenades I don't care missile launcher I don't give a shit machine gun if you want to own it you can have it I don't care that's what a Second Amendment's all about the right to bear arms shall not be infringed what part of fucking shall not be infringed don't you understand but just notice the way people talk. So he says, we are a Second Amendment proponents. We are Second Amendment proponents as well, but we're cautious when it comes to public safety. Uh, Rosh praised the state's permit, uh, current permits permitting system, which he said assures people who are carrying firearms go through a background check and training. We think that having some way of checking to approve a person is the best way to do that with guns, he said. That's where we stand philosophically. Well, sorry, sir, but where you stand, quite frankly, philosophically is not anything to do with the Second Amendment. You want restrictions. That's, I mean, you want to infringe on the Second Amendment right. You're comfortable with the current infringements that we currently have, and you're perfectly okay with leaving them as they are. So, Rosh said he shared his concerns about the bill with the governor. So, asked if he would be working against the governor's proposal, Rosh said the agency would focus on educating. We'll be educating our legislators on our concerns, he said. The TBI director's comments are his first public remarks about the governor's legislation since it was introduced less than three weeks ago. So... Uh, right. I'm really curious. Huh. So, hold up a minute. In addition to upending Tennessee's gun permit system, the governor's proposed legislation increases the penalty for stealing a firearm to a felony. That's interesting. I did not know. I thought it was a felony. Oh, the, 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 the ability of these guys to just kind of change laws all willy-nilly whenever they fucking feel like it just blows my mind. It makes it really difficult to get familiarized with what the law actually is on these things, what you can and can't get away with, what you should and shouldn't do, etc. So, and and the um, 
The governor's proposed legislation increases the penalty for stealing a firearm to a felony, an offense that is currently a misdemeanor in Tennessee. It will also mandate six-month incarceration sentence for, for the crime up from the current 30-day requirement. Oh, a mandate a six-month incarceration sentence for stealing a gun. Now, I, I kind of like that, um, to be quite honest, because, you know, I'm against theft. Theft is definitely bad, so let's punish theft. Great idea, dude. Who would have thought? Let's have a harsh sentence on somebody who steals, and let's say that somebody who is abiding by their Second Amendment rights can carry a firearm. We'll let them do that. That'd be great. Additionally, the bill enhances sentences for when a gun is stolen from a car, as well as for providing a handgun to a juvenile and unlawful possession of a handgun by a felon. Lee's, uh, whoa, wait a minute. Providing a handgun to a juvenile and unlawful possession of a handgun by a felon. Unlawful possession of a handgun by a felon. Hmm. Now, unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe becoming a felon um, omits your um, amendment rights. I don't think it does that. I mean, you still have a right to a speedy and fair trial. Why don't you have also a right to um, carry a firearm? Interesting. Alrighty, so, yeah, let me see what this was here. Uh, Senate committee approves Governor, Governor Bill Lee's permitless carry legislation. Wait, how long ago was this? March 3rd, 2020. State Senate committee approves his permitless carry legislation. Now, does that mean, it don't mean it's a law yet? I don't know how this shit works. So ridiculous. Alright, over objections from law enforcement officials, Tennessee lawmakers moved forward with Governor Billy's controversial proposal to allow residents to carry handguns without obtaining a permit. With a 7-2 vote, the Senate Judiciary Committee approved the bill, which would allow for both open and concealed carrying handguns for Tennesseans 21 years and older. Now, is this official law? Minutes after the Senate's actions, the House Committee s similarly considered the bill hearing from a few speakers but delayed a vote. Oh, there's, so there's still some processes it must go through, apparently. The measure contains a provision that would extend the right to military members who are 18 to 20 years old. Uh, duh. Hello. And, uh, again, um, this, this idea of uh, shall not be infringed. I'm sorry. But guess what? That includes young lads as well. I mean, I'm sorry. I had my eight-year-old outside firing a firing a, a 22 pistol. She did just fine. She was able to aim it, able to handle it responsibly. You teach them what they need to learn, and they learn how to do it. Uh, Tennessees who legally want to buy a handgun would still have to pass the federal background check, although there are some uh, loopholes for the requirement. The committee's approval signals the measure's passage could be significantly easier uh, than in the past. Okay, so I'm going to say it is not yet a law, according to this, anyway, that it is actually moving forward, though. So that'll be quite interesting to see, because that's one of the things that I still had to do, is go pay for a permit class to get my official permit to be able to carry my firearm as well. I mean, I'm not against, you know, taking a handgun safety course, just but requiring it by law is, uh, that's an over overstepping of bounds, that's a... Uh, unconstitutional, quite frankly. Anyway. Damn, that tea's good today. I don't know who made it today, but good lord, that is perfect. So, back to the comments here. Uh, Ryan says, hey, Ryan, I'm I, I'm really glad you're watching tonight. It's been a little while since I've seen you. He says that the housing was much cheaper five years ago. Guarantee your house is worth much more now than when you bought it. Yes, that is true, but that doesn't really make that much of a difference. My housing payments would still be pretty low compared to the rest of the area. Um, when I bought the house, it was already a lower price than Murfreesboro or Smyrna or surrounding areas. Or, you know, because I'm outside the city limits, I'm in a smaller county. Uh, property values around here just aren't as much as they are out there. Of course, as Murfreesboro continues to grow and start continues to move out my direction, um, which it will inevitably do if things keep going the way they're going, um, yeah, my house price will go up. But then again, I don't know. It, it doesn't make that big a difference. You can still purchase a house for relatively cheap. There's other ways to do it other than um, you know the way I did it, which I just I, I bought it from the landlord we were renting from, and my rent went from seven fifty down to five thirty five. My rent to my mortgage rather. All right, so let's see here. 
I do got one last story for the night I'd like to cover before I wrap it up for the night. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying Hey guys, so this is going to be a quick tutorial showing you how I create my fast forward Well, I didn't mean to play I'm you, so video. why don't you just shut up? Alright, we'll get back to my Premiere Pro editing tutorial later. I'm in the middle of editing some shit, so that's stuff I have to look up. So, it's the fun one. This is I'm going to go into the uh, religion category for a moment. This is from thinkbig.com. Articles titled Three Quote-Unquote Symptoms of Atheism as described by a Christian minister. So, here's uh here here's a fun, this this uh, was published uh, February 23rd of this year and so here's the thing. A recently published article claims to identify the symptoms of low-level atheism. Among these symptoms are worrying, cursing, and not tithing. Interesting. So there's a solution to all this, though. You know, not being an atheist. Sending in money is also involved. So here we go. Uh, the um, Alaskan, uh, yes, Alaskan minister Tad Lindley recently published an essay pointing out the symptoms of low-level level atheism. This groundbreaking work, destined to be the foundation of further theological study for decades to come, identifies three major symptoms of the condition that can manifest in anybody. Now, I may learn something about myself today. I may just learn something about myself. In, in, in what, were the, what were the symptoms, the early symptoms to my own atheism that I could have seen coming, that my friends and family could have seen coming, and maybe maybe they could have stopped earlier. Let's read on. Are you worried about literally anything? Well, you're an atheist now. So the essay begins by focusing on worrying, uh, an, an all-too-common problem, and gateway emotion to atheism. Uh, he quotes the article saying, quote, every time we take a th uh, thought break and begin to wonder about how we will pay the stove oil bill or the light bill or what we're going to do if we get laid off from work in six months, we are worrying. We are actually telling the Lord, Jesus, you know all that stuff you said in Matthew chapter six about how you'll take care of us. I don't believe it. I don't believe that you can do what you promised. So I am taking matters into my own hands. I'm going to worry about it until the situation is taken care of. Okay, well, hold up. I worry a lot. Not like, you know, an unhealthy amount of worry, but I do worry. It's kind of a driving force. It's kind of a, a necessary emotion, if you ask me. I, I don't understand this. Uh, I mean, I can understand, you know, letting things be in God's hands, but for God's sakes, you still got to take care of your own shit and worry a little bit about what kind of things are coming around the corner. Um, far as I know, God does, you know, encourage personal responsibility, and part of personal responsibility is being personally responsible for your life for maybe I don't know worrying about where your kids are going to go to school worrying about are your kids getting good grades worrying about are you going to be able to pay the bills are you doing the right things to be able to are you spending too much there's, like there's a lot of little things you could be worrying about I'm sorry I'm not just going to sit there and go oh, I'm not worried about it I'm just going to spend a thousand dollars you know out of my five hundred dollar check that mathematically is impossible. God will take care of it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're an atheist, right? Fun, fun. All right. Oh, click, click, click. All right. So, as it turns out, God's plan... Uh, sorry. Uh, the author of this article goes on to say, as it turns out, God plans his days around your dilemmas and will get to them in due course. So, if you are bothered about not being sure where your rent is coming from this month, form this month, dude, copy, editor... Learned it right. You're doubting the Lord. Concerning about things like climate change, you're practically an iconoclast. Anxious at that thought that you aren't good enough Christian? According to this, that exact worry is a sign that you aren't. Okay, so next, uh, next sign that you're an atheist, or you might be showing signs, symptoms of atheism, swearing and occasionally being angry are now signs of metaphysical distress. Yes. If you get angry, you might be an atheist. True story. All right. So, according to Lindley, quote, I have only sworn two times since receiving the Holy Ghost. The Lord has the power to change our attitudes and habits. I wish I could say that I never get angry anymore either, but that is not the case. Just like you, I struggle with athe atheistic tendencies. It's clear. It, 
it's abundantly clear to me that the guy who wrote this original article does not have the foggiest idea what an atheist is, what they believe or rather don't believe. And he's just saying basically anything that goes against God's word is atheism. Like that's not true at all. I think they have a word for that. It's blasphemy or something like that. A blasphemer? Not an atheist. You're listening to No, you're not. Let's hit the right button. So every time something doesn't go the way we want it to go and we get angry, we're telling the world, quote, I am losing my temper because this problem is so messed up that not even God can sort it out. When we slam doors, we swear, yell, break dishes, speed, or shake our fist at somebody, we are in the grip of an atheism attack. You know what? I do remember that one time when I got so angry in a fit of rage, I actually took a cucumber that I was holding and I threw it at the person I was mad at. It was my wife at the time. We're young, married, dumb, angry. Got it. Okay. Apparently, I was suffering one of my atheism fits. And, you know, honey, I I, I want to apologize for that. That was uncalled for. Um, not because it's wrong to, like, blow up in a, in a rage and throw a, a piece of vegetable at you, but um, because... I wasn't being godly enough. I was <laughs> I was caught in the grip of my own atheism attack. <laughs> yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Okay, so he goes on to see, you see the Bible very clearly states there's nothing too hard for God to fix, and we know that all things work together for good for uh, to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, this is why a person who has been born again can hit their thumb with a hammer and not swear. Dude, the strength of God is amazing, isn't it? This is why the sincere Christian can look at a flat tire and say, I guess God needs me to slow down because he has someone he needs me to cross paths with today. Swearing and getting angry only says there's absolutely no way that God can turn this flat tire into a blessing. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm Look, again, just like worry... Anger is a a very vital and necessary emotion. It's your body's way of telling you, hey, something's wrong. Something is is terribly wrong. And and either you need to learn to control this anger somehow or you need to like address it. You need to figure out why you are angry. There is a reason for your anger. It's not just it's not just like I'm sitting here going, you know what? Fuck God. I'm angry. I'm going to be angry. I'm throwing cucumbers, man. Like it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. That's just not how the mind, the human mind works. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so the uh, author of this article says uh, how exactly this reconciles with Jesus getting pissed off at the moneylenders in the temple and, he, and, and healers that refuse to save lives on Sunday is unclear. All right. Jesus did get kind of angry in that moment, didn't he? Interesting. He must not have loved his father enough. That's probably what it was. He's probably suffering from atheistic symptoms. Neither of these incidents seem to be the things that happen to somebody without bursts of anger, though I do suppose it's possible Christ had fits of atheism multiple times in his life. Interesting. So, now the last one here. Stinginess. Stinginess is a sign that you are suffering from atheism, or you're, you're, you're having atheistic symptoms. Um, so, Lindley points out the final most advanced symptom of atheism last, not sending God money. He writes, quote, Some people are so greedy that they actually rob God. In in what way have we robbed God? In tithes and offerings. To those who would hold back the tithe, the Lord has a challenge. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Okay, so while... while uh, the author goes on to say, while the God of Abraham is well known not to need money on account of his trans- transcendental nature, it seems he still owed 10% of everybody's earnings. This is not paid to him, of course, but to his helpers. In exchange for this, God will make good things happen. If you don't send money to addition to swearing and occasionally being grouchy, the minister assures us that, quote, you are at extreme risk for very serious complications from your atheism. You know, you this really sounds like uh, like some kind of um, uh, what's the word here? An intervention is needed. Like, dude, Billy's been getting kind of mad. I heard him worrying a little bit. You know, his his daughter's pregnant. She's a little too young, and it really it really made him angry. And he's kind of worried about what's going to happen with his baby. Is is he going to be able to support it? And I know he's a good Christian man, but you know, he he even told me. 
that he's cutting back on his tithes a little bit because money's going to be tight for a while and he really can't afford to be giving tithes right now. Mm. I'm afraid I'm afraid he's going to be moving into that atheist territory. Uh, he, he must be. He must be rejecting God in this moment. He must be. So while this may look remarkably similar to a concept used by the mafia, uh, that is the protection racket, it's an utterly different operation. In the case of the mob, the threat of punishment is used as a way to force people into paying part of their earnings to a larger organization. In return, they're promised the protection of that organization from vague threats, often including that organization. In this holy case, vague are threats used to show people the wisdom of paying part of their earnings to the church. In exchange for their payments, they are offered kickbacks from God and protection from vague threats made by people telling them they need to send in money. Luckily, Lindley suggests a solution for all three problems, especially the last one. Don't be an atheist. That's It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. If I'm an atheist... The way to cure this, which, you know, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been listening, everything I've tried, everything I've tried has not cured me of my atheism. I've tried having discussions with Christians. I've tried going on to online forums, uh, uh, having debates with other Christians and having debates with other atheists and trying to listen to debates between atheists and Christians and trying to read the texts and trying to understand the Bible and trying to understand the contradictions in the Bible. And, and none of this has cured me of my atheism. However... According to Lindley, the solution is just don't be an atheist. It's that simple. It's that, like, I I cannot believe I haven't figured this out. I haven't looked beyond my own scope of my own research. I, it seems so simple. He also says, in particular, start praying and sending God money. This will resolve the third symptom automatically and the first two eventually. Man. I got, I got, I got to, I got to get to meet this guy. This is fantastic. Like this is, this is, this is exactly what I've been looking for all this time. You know, I don't need common sense, logic, reason, uh, empirical evidence to prove to me that God's real. I need to just stop being an atheist. That's, that's the best, best way to go about it. It seems I've lost everybody in the chats tonight. If this topic does not interest you, I totally understand. This is one of my favorite topics though. So we're talking about it tonight. Anyway, um, I'll let you finish reading the article there, but you get, you get the picture. I'm going to actually read the original article. I meant to do it and I haven't had a chance to, but, um, Hopefully, I'm not going to be like, uh, you know, broadsided with finding out that everything was a gross misquoting of the article. So forgive me for my sarcasm on the subject, but this is just kind of where I stand on this particular topic anyway. So if you guys have enjoyed tonight's show and maybe even would like to help out with uh, proceeds in the uh, Tennessee uh, uh, tornadoes that's been going on, um, head over to the Unframe of Mind Facebook page. We've got links there and uh, places you can help. And I'm sure you'll have to search through all the posts and stuff to find it, but it's there. I promise it's all there. Um, or you can just DM me or Anthony to, uh, and we'll point you in the right direction. Um, so this has been another Uncomfortable Conversation Without a Condom. That is uh, another, another smart talk, no filter, where we have... Uh... All right, so I have no closing lines. So I'm just going to leave you with this. Bye. And find the button. Where is it?